Uh, now it is time for the leader to qualify. So I'm Linda, compulsive overeater. Um, I've never been to this meeting before. I usually have another meeting, so I'm grateful to be here. I see some old faces and some new ones, so um, I will tell you my story. If you've heard it before, it probably will not have changed a lot. Um, I grew up in a compulsive overeating family. Um, I remember sitting on the couch with my parents watching TV, and we had a box of C's candy, and we would eat that, and we knew exactly what was in each piece. We had the swirl on the top and the shape, and we never bit into one we didn't like. So um, I had a good start. I also remember as a teenager um, babysitting, and the, the woman would say, you know, well, help yourself to anything in the cupboard. And so I'd get the kids to sleep, and I'd go in the cupboard and start looking and find a box of something and start eating. And before I knew it, the box was half empty. And I wasn't sure how that happened, but it did. And then I felt sort of embarrassed. And so I would take the box and sort of shake it and try to fluff it up so it wasn't quite so down below. But anyway, basically as a teenager, I didn't really have, I wasn't aware of having a, a, a food problem. I wasn't overweight. Um, I grew up in the 50s, and that means I'm in my 70s. And... Um, Single-digit dress sizes were not the norm. I mean, Marilyn Monroe was a size 12, and that was good enough for her. It was good enough for me. And um, it wasn't until I got married and started having babies that the weight became a problem. In my first 10 years of marriage, I lived in four different states and four different countries and had three babies. And by the time I was pregnant with my third baby... The doctor said, I think you need to lose some weight and gave me diet pills. And I dutifully took them. I didn't uh, know any better. But, of course, it, you know, speeded me up a bit. And I, we were living in a house in Arlington, Virginia, and I decided that um, I should put the two older boys together and paint this bedroom for this new baby. So I started painting the bedroom, and then I realized that I was eight months pregnant and standing on a ladder wasn't going to be a very good idea. So I asked my husband, oh, yes, he was going to do it. And uh, days passed and he didn't do it. And I was getting really like I wanted it done yesterday and I didn't even know if he was going to do it tomorrow. So I figured out that if I painted a very large four-letter word on the wall, he would get the idea. So I did that. And he dutifully painted the room. And the baby was born and everything was fine. And then one day I walked into the nursery and I could see the light was coming in at sort of an angle and I could see the faint outline of that word on the wall. So I, you know, since I've been in program, I realized that uh, I probably owe those people an amends, but I don't know who they are or where they are. And, and that child is turning 50 next week. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have to worry about that too much. So uh, eventually we came back to California and um, I got involved with a, a school that was being started and I was a volunteer and then I got a job and, and then I got a career and I feel very fortunate that, um, that I sort of fell into all of that because I certainly didn't start out um, as a career woman. And eventually I decided it was, um, it was time to retire. I was turning 60 and... Um, I, uh, I was working 60 hours a week. I mean, it wasn't a clocked-in time, but it was really the time I needed to do to do the job well. And I thought, oh, I don't want to work 60 hours at 60. And I, I was um, 
you know, spending a lot of time trying to think about it and worrying about, well, what will I do when I retire? Am I going to sit in front of the TV and eat all day, which seems like might have been a natural choice. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was ready to retire. I, my, my finances were okay. I had good friends. I had good relations with my family. I only had one little problem, and that was that I was over 200 pounds. So I started going to meetings at the Church in Ocean Park in Santa Monica area, uh, they were early morning meetings, so I got me up and out, and I was going to three meetings a week. And I did that dutifully for a year, but I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I heard people say, you know, find somebody who has what you want. And I kept looking around, and, well, you know, maybe she has what I want, but she seems kind of scary. And, uh, well, I don't know if she has exactly what I want. And anyway, I went on like that for almost a year. And finally, at a meeting, this woman talked, and I thought, well, maybe she'd make a good sponsor. So she left to go to, uh, to work, and I left to go home. And, and I thought, well, I'm not going to call her now. She's at work. And then there was a little voice in my head, which... I realize now it's God's voice saying, Linda, you'd better call now because if you don't call now by six o'clock, you'll either have forgotten or you will have eaten too much and be embarrassed or you will have changed your mind. So I listened to that voice and I called and she was my first sponsor. And um, my first abstinence was three meals a day and two snacks. And very shortly after that, um, I gave up sugar. Uh, that was something that I needed to do at the beginning, but was too scary to do. So that's been my abstinence now for over 16 years. And um, I added to it one other thing. I, I have this thing about um, not eating anything from a basket in a restaurant. And, um, you know, some people with, with been in program as long as I have and have had abstinence, you know, say, oh, well, you know, the food doesn't bother me anymore. I don't think about it. I just eat to live and whatever, whatever. And I, I must say that that's not my story. Um, I, I still can go crazy for, with, you know, with, well, you know, those, those things at this Mexican restaurant aren't in a basket. They're in a silver bucket. So, I mean... <laughs> And, uh, and then I was at this installation lunch. I, uh, when I retired, I also started square dancing, and I was sitting there, and I knew that there'd be a basket being passed around. And I, I sometimes talk to myself or God or somebody in the shower saying, you know, nothing for the basket. Okay, right, nothing for the basket. So the basket passes around, and I am fine. It is not even a, I'm talking. It's nothing. And then the woman over there says, oh, they're warm. And... <laughs> And, and I go like, oh, they're warm, you know. <laughs> but I didn't eat them. I mean, but the thinking is still there. The crazy thinking is still there. And, um, you know, I, I somehow got the job of cutting the birthday cake for my grandchildren. And um, I'm, it's not my cake. I don't want the cake. It's fine. I'm cutting it. And then, oh, my God, there is icing on my fingers. Well, that is a problem because everyone knows what you do with the icing on your fingers. You lick it off. But anyway, I was in the kitchen. I mean, there was water there. I washed my hands. No problem. And then another couple of years later, the birthday party was in a karate studio. And I'm cutting the cake. And there's icing on my fingers. And I have no clue where the bathroom is. I have no clue where this sink is. Oh, my goodness. There's a napkin, Linda. Don't be so, you know. I mean, it's, but the, the crazy thinking still goes on. And I must say that um, I don't know if I'll ever lose it. But it's, um, I, can, I can laugh at it. And I'm glad you're laughing at it with me. 
So besides, um, you know, the, the, the food and losing weight and losing dress sizes, what I've, I've learned a lot of things in this program that have been really valuable to me. Um, the first one that I like to talk about is the one day at a time, which um, seems kind of corny at times, but, you know, we all, we all have to face, you know, one day at a time, I'm not going to have this or whatever. But um, it also in my personal life, um, <clears throat> I, I said I had been square dancing, and this man in square dancing said, oh, I know this guy, and he'd be perfect for you. And <clears throat> I had been divorced by that time for 22 years. And um, I had not ever dated. And once someone said to me, are you dating? And I said, oh, no, I'm much too busy with work. But in my head, it's like I'm too old and I'm too fat and, you know, forget it. But anyway, this guy was coming to the square dance and he wanted and this guy was going to introduce us. And I'm like, OK. And when I got there, the, the, he said, there he is over there. And I look over there and this guy is and I think, oh, he's too short and he's too old and but, um, you know, one day at a time, we've been married for over 13 years. So it's, it's you know, it's because of this program that I allowed myself to, you know, see what was going to happen. Um, the other thing I learned in these rooms is, is the concept of service. I mean, not just service at meetings. I, I go to five meetings a week and I've had up to four service commitments in a six month period. But um, just service out in the world. Um, I got responsible for my father when he was 96. He was um, his, his, he wasn't paying his bills, and he was taking all of his pills, uh, a week's worth of pills, in like three days. And at first, because I'm an only child, I thought, oh, I wish I had a brother or a sister to help. And then I thought, well. I know people who have who have children that are taking care of them and there's or people that have siblings that are taking care of their parents and there's always one person who does more and one person who does less and the one that does less feels guilty and the one that feels more feels it does more feels you know like put upon so I was able to think well okay I'm going to do this and I took care of it and I did it with a good heart which is really uh, and my mother was dying and she was in a nursing home for like six months. I would go every day after work, but I didn't do it with a good heart. I mean, I was like, uh, 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 you know, and with my father, I did. And when he died at 99, um, I did not have an amends to make to him. You know, I had made my amends to my mother in a letter to her, which, you know, after she was deceased. But for my father, I didn't have to. So I was really grateful for that, that I had that concept from this program of being of service. And I did it. Not only, you know, well, but I did it with a good heart, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And the other thing I've learned in this program is the rigorous honesty thing. You know, it's, it's like we all learn how to be honest, but rigorously honest? You know, what, is, what does that mean? And my first experience was my driver's license. I had, you know, been sending it in and giving you a new one each time with the same picture and the same weight. And... Um, that weight had not been accurate for decades. So I kept sharing at meetings, I have to go and put the right weight on, and, uh, and I was going on and on about it. People were getting tired of hearing me. And finally, um, I went and I added 15 pounds to the incorrect weight and um, walked out of there with a brand new license with that. And, you know, I'm grateful today that I am, um, I think I'm 25 pounds under the weight that wasn't wasn't right so 
it just you know it happens in its own time but um, you know I, I think that that rigorous honesty helps out a bit and the latest thing I did with rigorous honesty was um, I went into Trader Joe's and my husband was going in the bank and I was going in for two things and I didn't take a shopping cart and I didn't take a basket and I got my two things and I'm walking down the aisle and there's some salad dressing. Oops, I need the salad dressing and I have my hands full. So I take the salad dressing. Actually, I had this jacket on, put it in my pocket, rushed up, started to pay, got out to my car and realized it was still in my pocket and I hadn't paid for it. Well, we were in a hurry, and uh, and so I went on. And you know, in the in the past, before program, I would have thought, oh well, Trader Joe's is a big place; they can afford one bottle of salad dressing. It's not a big deal. Or I would have thought, oh gee, you know, it's not really stealing. I didn't go in there to steal, so that was okay. Or I would have thought, well, you know, four months ago I bought a melon and it had a bad spot, so they owe me, you know. <laughs> But I didn't do any of those things, and I, when the next time I went, um, I got the same salad dressing, which I always get, and I said, could you ring this up twice? And the guy looked at me kind of, whatever, and he rang it up twice, and, you know, I was done with it. And it, it's, you know, you don't realize all, the, I mean, I didn't realize until I started doing the steps and making my amends that, you know, those things are, are weighing on you. Even if you're not conscious of them, they're there and they're weighing on you. So, um, so those those are the things that have really stood out to me in terms of program um, of living a, a better life, um, doing service. Um, I I had I had this notion that I was supposed to have three sponsees, and then some other people asked me to do this and do that, and so somehow I'm up to six, and and I have a woman who calls me. Um, who I think is probably certifiable, but she's in program and she calls and I talk to her every day. And, and I know that I don't have to because I, you know, I can tell on my phone who's there and I could just not, not do it, but I do. And I feel like I'm, I've, I'm being of service and that is um, in something that, um, you know, that this program teaches me. So the, the story I like to end with um, has to do with, I think, the biggest gift I've gotten from this program. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I told you I was, I was square dancing, and I was talking to somebody in program about a new class, and he was sort of interested, and he was telling someone else about it, and he was saying, Linda said, and she said, the purple Linda? And he said, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I do wear purple a lot, and so I sort of, she said, so he said something about the purple Linda and I thought oh I could be the purple Linda because you know I had this incident when I was working when I was interviewing a woman and her name was Linda and I thought oh if I hire her she's going to be the thin Linda and I'm going to be the fat Linda or she's going to be the young Linda and I'm going to be the old Linda or she's going to be the blonde Linda, and I'm going to be the graying Linda. And um, I, I hired her, and we've become friends. And I never told her that story until, um, you know, this, this thing came to my mind. And I thought, you know, now I can just be the purple Linda. Or today, I guess I'm the lavender Linda. But, um, and and that's, that gives me a lot of serenity. You know, no matter what the scale says, no matter what... I do or don't do on a given day, 
um, I'm not defined by any of those qualities that um, that I that I was before. That I'm really just, you know, I can just be the purple Linda, and I can always be the purple Linda. And um, my wardrobe can always have purple in it. And some days I don't wear purple, and people say, "Oh, you're not wearing purple today." And it's like, well, some days I can I can do other stuff. But um, I'm really grateful for the program. I'm grateful for the people who have sponsored me. Uh, I'm grateful to be able to do service. And uh, I just came back from um, Australia with my family, which was a lovely trip. And when I first got abstinent from sugar, there were things that would, would you know, I would, I would see things that had sugar. And I think, oh, I tasted that before. I know what that tastes like. And um, then at one point during my abstinence, they came out with, um, I don't know, something covered Oreos or something that I'd never tasted. And I thought, oh, I've never tasted those. Mm-hmm. And, and then I thought to myself, you don't even like Oreos, Linda. What's the big deal? <laughs> but um, and then, you know, if there's something that, that comes out that I, I think, oh, that might be good. And it's like, well, I'm not eating sugar now, but, you know, maybe I will someday and I could eat those someday, maybe. But in Australia, they had all sorts of things. And the thing that keeps sticking in my mind is they have something called a Tim Tam. Now, you don't know what a Tim Tam is. I don't really know what it is. Oh, she knows what it is. But it comes in a little package like this with paper on it crinkling. And it's in the candy section. So, um, and the thing about the ingredients in Australia, in my eyes, is it's very hard to read. It's not as good as it is here where it shows you exactly what the ingredients are. But, I mean, I knew there was sugar in it. Let's face it. It's a candy bar. So, so, um, so anyway, I, you know, I, I was fine with that. But then on, on Qantas Airlines, they have lots of food. And they have a whole thing in the back with all these Tim Tams that you just take. And it's like, oh, my God, they could, I could just take a Tim Tam and take it home and... So I did, and I gave it to my husband. <laughs> but um, I think I will probably um, have serenity in my life, never knowing what it actually tastes like, because I don't think I'm going back there to buy one. And um, I'm not sure that it's even worth it, but it, uh, you know, it's still, like, in my mind, this, this, I don't know if it's a name or whatever it is, it's some unknown treat that I have not uh, been able to, um, to have. So I will close with my um, thing about treats. Um, you know, food was always, the treat was a food, was some kind of a food. And, you know, eating a carrot is, doesn't seem like a big treat. So um, I decided that, um, that treats stands for terribly ridiculous eating around troublesome subjects. So when I think of treats, that's what I think of. So um, I'm not sure if I can end it in now, but I think that's all I have to say. So thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Uh, Okay, and it says to stop at 9.35. So, question, yes. Yes. Terribly ridiculous eating around troublesome subjects. Um, 
Well, uh, slowly. I mean, I remember I used to... Oh, sorry, yes. How did I come to a relationship with my higher power? Thank you. Um, I remember before a program, I used to think, oh, please, God, let me find a parking place, you know, close kind of thing. That was my, my sort of thing. But um, since I've been in program, I, um, I do some prayers in the morning when I wake up. I pray before I go to sleep at night. And I do a lot of thanking God, you know, um, in this trip to Australia, it was physically challenging in some ways getting on and off minibuses which have steps that are, you know, way high. And um, I, I sort of grunt as I walk up, go up and my grandchildren, you know, one of my grandchildren sort of makes the noise that I make. And I said, oh, good, you can make the noise. I don't have to. But I'm really grateful. I think I'm, uh, what, I, what I do a lot now is, is, is have the gratitude to God for allowing me to do these things and allowing me to... Um, get through without falling on my face and having a you know an issue i i don't uh, keep up with the the crowd as easily as the the younger kids do or even as my children do so i'm really grateful to god and i i think during the day um i express that a lot at, at times at night i do uh, i do a mental gratitude list as i'm falling asleep but i don't do a written one but i i feel like my connection is is um, one of gratitude, um, and um, and that is very uh, important to me to, to feel that. And another question? Yes. Could you talk a little bit about your experience with the Um Yeah, I I remember before I even started the first time thinking, oh. I know I have to make amends, so I don't want to do anything now that's going to, going to add to the list. I mean, I was like panicked about um, nine and ten that I was going to, ha- I mean, nine that I was going to have to make all these amends. But um, I, I, I think that it was, um, I didn't have any problem with feeling powerless, I mean, at the beginning. And, uh, and I felt like, um, you know, I was powerless over food. I had many, many examples. At one time I had put a, a whole thing of rice cakes in my drawer at work thinking, well, I'm not going to overeat on these because they're tasteless and awful and dry and probably stale by now. And, and I did. I mean, I did overeat on them. Um, so, I mean, I knew I was powerless. And so that was a real easy step for me. Um, you know, also looking at my character defects was really important. Um, I have I had this thing about um, being impatient, and you know, yes, I've turned it over, but it's it's still there. And um, one of the things that I think God talks to me about that is I do a lot of walking. I walk to all five of my meetings, and I walk to the market, and I walk to the bank, and I do a lot of walking. And I walk down Lincoln Boulevard, where there, you know, if you want to cross the street, you have to push that thing, and people are standing there at the at the the knob, going beep 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 beep, and it drives me like crazy. Like, don't you know that only one beep is necessary because the machine isn't going to, uh, you know, respond to five beeps? And then all of a sudden, I realized that that was God talking to me about being patient. That those people were being impatient, and that was God's message. You know, Linda, you're impatient too, but not about that, but a lot about other things. So now, when I hear those beeps. I feel like it's God talking to me saying, you need to be patient. So, um, you know, each, each step had its, had its own meaning. I, I made, uh, I've done the steps 
like three and a half times because <laughs> one sponsor let me go because she got too busy and then I started over with my current sponsor and and we had there was a, a there was a difficult one that I had to make with which which I hadn't even thought of and I hadn't even written down but when we were talking I realized that it was an amends to make and it was a financial amends to a company and um, you know she helped me go through it we agreed on an amount and then I had to sort of send the money in anonymously and getting a check for that much money anonymously isn't easy and it was it was a long process but um, it was good and um, I did it and um, you know after I've made an amends I've always felt um, like a you know a relief and that's been good Um, you know a couple of times I made amends to people and they didn't even remember my (laughs) my uh, thing that I had done and and a couple of other times it was you know it it was I mean I started with the easiest stuff not the hardest stuff because that's sort of like I have to edge into it but um, but I you know I I feel like they have they have worked each in their own way and I've written about them and um, I haven't done it for a while I don't know if I need to start doing it again but we'll see and another question yes Hi, could you talk a little bit about the God of your understanding and has that changed the program and uh, you talk about connecting with God but I'd like to know if you have any um, yeah, has, has the God of my understanding changed at all? How has it developed in program? Is that sort of your question? Yeah. Um, I think, as I say, um, before program it was just sort of someone to ask stuff from. And in program it's become someone to, um, to be thankful for. I, I don't have a, a visual concept. I don't have a he or a she or a... You know, people talk about sometimes God is just, you know, uh, keeps the waves moving and um, they have a hard time. I didn't grow up in, in, with a religion that um, taught me anything about God. I, my family wasn't religious. We were Jewish and we celebrated with food and, you know, not, not, going, not going to temple or synagogue. And so um, I didn't have a, a, a set concept that I had to either embrace or get rid of or whatever. So to me, God is just sort of an, um, I don't know, an enveloping kind of thing that, that's, that's there when I, need, um, when I need help. I mean, I, I can be sitting in the dentist chair and praying for, for serenity, which is very hard for me in the dentist chair. And um, I just feel like it's, it, that God is accessible to me when I embrace the concept um, and I'm, uh, and I'm grateful that the God feels personal to me and, and, and it sort of envelops me with a warmth and a, and, a, and a serenity that I did not have before a program. Um, I, I think the serenity part of it is really important to me and is something that I look for. And I, I have a, a sponsee who doesn't ever seem to me to be very serene and she's anxious a lot and I keep saying, you know, pray for serenity, pray for serenity. And um, I do pray for, for various things. Um, I pray for people. I have a whole list of people that I pray for, a lot of which are people in program uh, and their siblings or spouses or whatever. Um, pray for people that are sick. So in my prayers at night, I have a whole list of people that I pray for. And... Um, and it, it gives me comfort 
to to say the prayers and to be in touch with God and to feel like um, there is a God with me wherever I am, whether it's here or in Australia or wherever. So, yes. Thank you, Linda. So, you mentioned like character defects, impatience, and maybe rage and stuff like that. How do you work program around that, maybe step six and seven, to, as opposed to trying to will yourself? <laughs> well, um, I think the impatience is the one that... Um, that is the hardest for me. Um, my husband, who is still too short and too old, um, <laughs> is very, very forgetful and um, and is hard of hearing. And sometimes um, I I have a hard time, you know, being patient and being understanding. And um, and I, you know, I make an amends. I make an amends a lot. You know, I'm sorry. I, you know, I was impatient. I'm sorry. Um, I, um, I, I don't know that I keep finding new ones particularly. I probably should, but maybe if I work the steps again, I will. Um, you know, I, I, I think I had sort of the, con- the dishonesty thing was, um, you know, well, that's not really dishonest. It's just sort of, you know, whatever. I was to brush some of the things aside, and now I'm much more observant and aware I think of of character defects and how I mean I don't think you know I mean I don't think they've been removed all of them but I think that I'm more aware of them and I know how to make amends around uh, being uh, you know doing things that I I know that are not good for me and I shouldn't not good for the people around me um, you know I uh, on this trip with my family um, I pretty much was pretty laid back and let them decide. I mean, you know, I, I can be very like, oh, we can't go to that restaurant because they might have X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I mean, when, you're, when you've got 11 people in Sydney, Australia, walking in the rain trying to find a restaurant for dinner, uh, you don't have a lot of choices. You go into the first place that looks like it has a table and an open door. And, um, and you know, and it was, a, it was a place that had, you know, five different counters to go to and there was only one that had salad that something I could eat and in the past I think I would have been very um, you know I have to get here and I have to get here and I have to do this and I have to do that and and I just you know let it let it go and let someone else make the decisions and um, and I think that it's a gift to this program of just being able to let go and you know it's just one meal and I, and uh, and I can I'll have another meal soon, so uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's... Yes, sir. This uh, woman who is potentially certifiable, <laughs> yes. how do you uh, stay cheerful and positive program that you call um, So the question was of my person that I talk to pretty much daily who's certified about how do, do I stay cheerful and present. Um, I, I'm not always cheerful with her. I mean, I, I have talked with her. I know her sponsor, and I've said to her sponsor, what do you say when she says, and she says, I say that's crazy thinking. And so I use that term with her. And um, she, uh, you know, she was like so grateful when I came back and I called her because she, had, you know, she was just used to talking to me every day. And so I'd, even if I'm not cheerful, she's okay with it. But I, I realized that, 
Um, I mean, I guess I'm just grateful. She she has so many problems and so many issues, and she has financial issues. I mean, she belongs in a multitude of programs, and um, in a, in a way, it's like being of service to her. I am able to be grateful for what I have, and you know, and I have a lot, and I'm really grateful for that. And um, and I think that being of service to her, and she and she's very appreciative. You know, I mean, um, she she doesn't know very much about my life. She never asked me where I went. Uh, she you know she's really in her own head, but I understand that. I mean, that's that's who she is, and. Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel that she has, she, I, I feel really grateful that, that my life is, is so full and so rich and I have so much. And, um, you know, to, to give her 15 or 20 minutes a day is, you know, is, is okay for me. And um, I'm not, I don't know how cheerful I am, but I'm, I'm willing and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to be of help to her. Yes. How you are sponsored and how you sponsor your sponsees? Um, well, yeah. Um, as I say, this is my third. Uh, the question is, how am I sponsored and how do I sponsor my sponsees? Um, this is my third um, sponsor, and um, so we went through the steps. We've gone through the steps twice together. I'm not sure how long we've been together—five, six years, something like that—and. Um, so because I wasn't new when she came in, I mean, we don't, I don't have a regular time to call her. Um, we meet sort of regularly and talk. And um, if I have an issue or a problem, I had a problem with one of my sponsees. I felt like she wasn't, she wasn't going to meetings and she wasn't doing this and that. And I was, I was really getting ready to think about you know, maybe we should end this relationship. But I know that talking to me is very helpful to her and she likes it and she's not working a really strong program. But um, so I, I mean, I spent some time with my sponsor talking about that. I, I only have one sponsee who I started from the beginning. And with her, I sort of did what, what people did with me, which was have her, you know, write on each of the steps and then share it with me. And I had her calling me every uh, five days a week between four in the afternoon and five at night. And um, she's been with me quite a long time. We've gone through the steps and um, we still meet um, once a week after a meeting that we go to. And um, she doesn't call us regularly and we're not working the steps anymore. Um, but uh, and the other people I have, a lot of them are just wanting to do steps and they've been in program a long time. And I have a couple... Uh, they're just doing food. I have one woman who lives in Switzerland who's now emailing me her, her food. And so, I, I mean, I just comment on it and back. I don't really, you know, say you should do this or you should do that. Or I'll, I'll say, how about counting the number of crackers you're eating? Or how about... Uh, and I had another woman who just wanted me as a food sponsor, and then I turned into a step sponsor. And with her, I would say, how about eating only three of those instead of four? She's not willing to give up sugar yet. And... So I'm just trying to, and so, and it's really helpful to me because I was eating two of something and I thought, well, maybe I should only eat one. And, um, you know, so, and then I, you know, I'll sometimes, she was eating, you know, chips and I said, well, you know, when I do that, I put them in a bag or a plate. I count them out and put them, I don't have, don't have the bag there because that to me is just 
a, a recipe for disaster if the bag is put in there. So I usually count them out or put them in a baggie or I'll take something that I get and I tell them to, you know, divide it up into so many baggies and then you have a portion. And that works for me. So I've, I've, used, I've used that when I've done the food stuff. But, I mean, each person is different and their needs are different and it depends. If they're brand new into the program, it's one thing. But if they've been in the program a long time and they just want to rework the steps again, then I, you know, I, I'm not giving a lot of rules. I'm letting them go at their own pace. So we have five minutes. Okay. Anyone? More questions? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, what, do, what do the words mean to you, um, powerless over sugar? It means that if I start, I won't stop. You know, I mean, I think it means that for me, um, I can't just eat one. I can't just, um, it, 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 it's, it's addictive. It, you know, I, I, have, um, I have a daughter-in-law who was on this trip who um, is an alcoholic. And um, she, was, she was drinking, not, not to excess, but... It, it, you know, every time I, I, she ordered drink with, with a meal and then she had a can of beer in her purse, which I saw she poured in, you know, into the, the glass that she had. And, and you know, it, 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 it sort of breaks my heart that she has that. I mean, I've shared with her my addiction to sugar. I've shared with her that, you know, I'm compulsive about sugar. I can't stop. That's why I don't eat sugar. You know, my, my son said something about um, you haven't had sugar for 16 years. I don't believe that, or something. And he was over at my house, and and there was I had made a I had made a cake that was sugar-free, and so he he said you ate that cake, and I said well it doesn't have any sugar in it, it has Splenda in it. And he said uh, you know I mean he didn't believe me, but um, I know that that the sugar I mean I might be able to eat one of it today, but then I'm going to want two tomorrow and three the next day, and and it's it's um, Sometimes when I read the, the, the literature in, in Lifeline, it, you know, they talk about, um, somebody talks about sugar and, you know, it's just a, it, I don't know that I couldn't eat just one, but I'm not, a, I'm not willing to take the chance. Uh, you know, I could have said, oh, well, I'll just have one Tim Tam, it's the end of my, I'm not going to have one again, I'll never see it again, it'll be over. But I don't trust that that won't start me on everything else um, that, that has sugar in it and and so um you know i i'm not sure that i'm completely powerless but i don't trust that i'm not and i'm not taking a chance for today you know just for today and you know i got married with <laughs> when, when we had our engagement party there was a, a a cake and i and i didn't um I didn't have any, but I took a piece and put it in the freezer in case I wanted it. It was going to be there, you know, and I had that piece of cake and it was there and there. And I thought, this is ridiculous, <laughs> you know, and I threw it away. But, you know, at the, at the beginning, I wasn't willing to, you know, not ever have it ever, ever, ever. And um, so for today, I'm, I'm not willing to, to, to test whether I'm really, really, really powerless. But I think I pretty much probably am. And uh, so... That's, that's for today. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ellie. Thank you, Linda. Oh. Would you um, talk about your relationship with yourself? If you understand what I mean. How you feel about yourself now versus uh, yeah. pre-programmed? Well, I, I think, you know, because I've lost as much weight as I have, it, it's, it's scary. 
it's a little scary to you know the, the size I keep getting one size lower and I think oh my god you know this and I have all these big clothes in my closet and I'm I've given some of them away but I'm, I'm and some of them have gone to you may see some at the birthday party uh, but it's kind of scary it's kind of scary because I haven't been this weight for you know decades and so it feels good um, you know have pants and falling down instead of you know binding tight um, and I feel um, I feel so, sort of free um, that I have more choices you know with, with clothes and stuff but it's also um, it's also a little scary because I feel like oh my goodness you know I could you know just zoom up again and, and just go crazy again which is why you know the, the, the sugar has it, it, the powerlessness feels there so but I, I feel I feel better I people comment sometimes and that I haven't seen for a while and that's that's a little scary too because um, I guess I don't trust that I'm going to be this way forever I don't trust that um, that I've got it down because I don't think I necessarily do because I think it is a one day at a time and you know each day is a new day and um, I still have bulges where I would rather not have them but you know they're going to be there and um, I'm not going to obsess over them I can I can obsess a little bit over numbers but I'm trying not to okay my time is up sorry sir Thank you.